Are you ready to take your leadership in your organization to the next level and beyond? Your competitors will be there before you know it. Today's leaders must perpetually innovate their leadership approach, evolve their organizations, and grow faster than the competition. Welcome to Innovating Leadership, co-creating our future with Maureen Metcalf. In the next hour, you'll meet innovative leaders who have become successful at the helm of some of the most respected organizations in the world, and you can become the next big success story. Now, here is your host, Maureen Metcalf. Hi, welcome to Innovating Leadership, Co-Creating Our Future. I'm your host, Maureen Metcalf. I'm the founder and CEO of the Innovative Leadership Institute. We help leaders identify disruptive trends and envision the opportunities these trends create. We help them elevate the quality of their leadership and transform their organizations to build sustainable success and impact. I'm a regular contributor to Forbes and the lead author on an award-winning book series focusing on innovating how you lead and transforming your organization. And I am also a fellow with the International Leadership Association. I am delighted to bring to you recorded live at the International Leadership Association Conference 2019 in Ottawa, Canada, whose theme is Courage to Lead, a series of interviews. Next, you'll hear Cynthia Cherry, the president of ILA, to introduce the conference and then I'll be back to introduce our guests. International instability is only getting worse in today's world, and it cries out for a need for leadership. Hi there, this is Cynthia Cherry, President and CEO of the International Leadership Association. And the ILA has its mission to advance leadership knowledge and practice for a better world. At this year's global conference in Ottawa, our theme was Leadership, Courage Required. And it was a gathering of 1,200 professionals from around the world to discuss, share, and explore the latest research, teachings, and best practices in leadership. In this series, ILA fellow Maureen Metcalf is the host of the 2019 series. And you will hear from corporate leaders, political leaders, and the leading scholars and teachers grappling with the complex issues of today. I hope you will join me in exploring these complex issues in the 2019 series. So I am delighted to welcome Mike Gerbis as our guest. Mike is the CEO of a constellation of organizations that include the Delphi Group, Globe Series, Excel Partnership, and Leading Change and they all share a common purpose, to achieve a sustainable, prosperous, and socially just future in a generation. In one generation. One generation, yeah. Mike works closely with Canadian and international leaders on issues relating to climate change, corporate sustainability, clean tech and innovation, and the green economy. In addition to his 25 years of experience in sustainability consulting and events, Mike also engages and educates youth and business leaders through guest lectures and presentations, as well as through initiatives such as Shad Valley International and Tech Canada, which he will explain to us. So in today's session, we're going to talk about courageous leadership and how it's required to address the world's most pressing environmental and social issues such as rising carbon emissions, resource scarcity, plastic pollution, mass migration, poverty, and conflict. Today, the discussion will be with a business leader 
who has managed to challenge the status quo, break through traditional conventional commercial approaches, and implement more sustainable solutions. So that's a lot. That's a lot. What's the role of leadership in driving more sustainable practices across all types of organizations? So leadership plays a, a critical role in a number of aspects um, with regards to sustainability. Uh, first, uh, we need to move fast, right? Mm -hmm. and yeah, you said one generation. And one generation. So the climate crisis is a, a, a critical issue for mm -hmm. us. It's something we have to move within a generation. Mm -hmm. And that requires leadership at all levels. So leadership occurs uh, not only from top down, but as mm -hmm. a grassroots movement. And so leadership plays a fundamental role in changing our behaviors and changing the direction on which the company goes, uh, the corporation goes, the community goes, or our country mm -hmm. goes. Mm -hmm. And we've seen that uh, on the political level, maybe mm -hmm. in the negative direction on a number of countries, right? So we need to turn the ship, and leadership is fundamental to uh, that moving forward, that mm -hmm. progress. So what are the characteristics of leadership that you believe are required because this is a big lift. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, leadership requires risk-taking. Mm -hmm. It takes patience. It takes uh, very good listening and communication skills. Mm -hmm. So, or communication skills in that you need to be able to articulate your vision and where you want to go. Mm -hmm. But more importantly, you need to listen. Listen to other perspectives in that. And you really have to be authentic, I think, uh, nowadays in terms mm -hmm. of really... Uh, connecting with people mm -hmm. uh, and being true to what you're trying to push forward and understanding where these individuals are that you're trying to lead. So what brought you to focus your career and I'm guessing your life, life's energy, mm. on this? So it's funny, I, uh, I actually was a typical student that I didn't know what I wanted to be or what mm -hmm. I wanted to do and I took a course uh, back in university that got me, that really intrigued me. Uh, mm -hmm. in the sustainability and environment side and uh, when I took my master's degree I managed to hook up with a very interesting uh, professor who mm -hmm. focused on change management and that okay. caught my attention and from there I started my own business right out of school focusing oh, on yeah, okay. focusing on waste reduction in small and medium-sized businesses and then where did you go from that so from there, I, I spent uh, about three years doing that. Mm -hmm. uh, I then went traveling for a while. Okay. And again, this, again, part of development and leadership is understanding mm -hmm. those different perspectives. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I found that travel around the world allowed me to gain a number of perspectives that I'd never uh, never thought mm -hmm. about. Right? Mm -hmm. Traveled to developing countries, traveled to very uh, rich countries, saw the differences mm -hmm. in how we see and view things. Uh, and then came back, started the company up again that I was running, and okay. uh, joined Delphi uh, in 2007. So what is Delphi? So Delphi is a strategic consulting firm. We've okay. been around since 1988, and, and we were a leader even when we were only three individuals because mm -hmm. we greened the Canadian Pacific Hotels. So, of course, if you go into any hotel now around the world, you'll see programs that ask you to hang up your towels mm -hmm. or put a card on the bed. And mm -hmm. we started that when we were only three individuals in and, the company. And now almost every hotel I go into, 
has a program like that. That's right. Yeah. So I all this is a great example of where I always tell students that even if you're small, you can have a huge impact uh, within and with outside your sphere of influence. That's what I call your area that you can impact, mm-hmm. you know, in your leadership. Now, what is Shad Valley International? So Shad Valley is a, a not-for-profit that brings together uh, students for a month of concentrated education over the summer at various universities across Canada. And they bring these individuals together and they do projects and team building mm-hmm. and uh, different challenges and so forth. So it's a real bonding opportunity, but it's also a huge opportunity for them to understand and learn leadership. Mm-hmm. Uh, the challenges of uh, making something move forward, mm-hmm. right? The benefits, uh, the mm-hmm. personal, interpersonal dynamics that you deal with in teams, right? Every under stress day. every day, right? So, do you put them under stress? Uh, they they're put under stress themselves mm-hmm. because there's so many of them together, and okay. it's such an intense uh, month. I mean, mm-hmm. they are basically working from you know 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. every day in activities mm-hmm. for a month. And coming together with a group of strangers with that level of intensity does create... Right, but you quickly learn, as you know, Mm -hmm. through experience that people have different perspectives. Mm -hmm. They look at challenges differently. To succeed, you have to figure those dynamics out. There are egos Mm -hmm. that you have to play with, people who are timid, you know. Mm -hmm. And so, again, part of leadership development is understanding humans, right, and what we do and how we operate. It's certainly part of what I teach, yeah. that that to work as a team, I need to understand both the personality type and also the motivations. Absolutely. What do you care about? Yeah. And as a team member, as soon as I understand what you care about, then we can support one another's success. Exactly. Yeah. And I think just building on that, I think you also have to recognize the fears, right? Yes. Because we're seeing that a lot nowadays, Mm -hmm. particularly Mm -hmm. with uh, the climate crisis, Mm -hmm. is that uh, you're getting camps of people who do not quite understand the science and what's going on. Mm -hmm. And there's a bit of a fear, right, that takes hold where we retrench status quo, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. We don't want to change. What does this mean? And again, to be a true leader and and an authentic leader, I think you have to paint a positive vision for that person, addressing those fears, and like you said, understanding their motivations uh, to make it progress forward. So you've obviously dedicated yourself to this. Mm -hmm. Can you, for our listeners, paint that positive vision, including addressing the fear that you're trying to put me out of business, you green people? Absolutely. So let's think of a, a future where you have no air pollution from coal-fired plants. Mm -hmm. Your cars are electric, right? Mm -hmm. There are thousands of more acres of uh, parkland and trees. You have clean water with fish Mm -hmm. that you can, for the fishermen, that you can fish out of and eat, Mm -hmm. right? There are millions of birds, songbirds, that we're uh, losing uh, annually. So, you know, Mm -hmm. this environment is something that we should strive for but on the business sense let's Mm -hmm, talk about mm -hmm, the business mm -hmm. is that when you are reducing the waste that you are throwing out or you're reducing the fuel use Mm -hmm. uh, which is carbon dioxide and greenhouse Mm -hmm. gases then you're saving money right so if you live within a building that is much more energy efficient 
mm-hmm. it's less money to operate, mm-hmm. right? You we're also finding that as new technologies come in, new clean technologies, mm-hmm. productivity is drastically increasing, right? So you're able to manufacture things much more efficiently. Uh, you can then use materials that are recycled, so it's called circular economy. Mm-hmm. We mm-hmm. use them and recycle them over and over mm-hmm. again. Again, a benefit to, to a company that doesn't have to mine and get raw materials mm-hmm. uh, from another part of the world. Mm-hmm. Right? So th- there's a huge business case that can be made uh, around implementing sustainability, tackling issues like climate mm-hmm. change. And I'm assuming there's a lot of work to be done to make this cost effective. And in other places, it's already been done. Absolutely. It is already cost effective. Absolutely, yeah. So there, there are a number of examples. Uh, well, again, if you go to uh, take a look at the cost of batteries. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the cost of batteries has dropped over 80% in the last three years because the technology is continually improving. Or mm-hmm. solar panels, right? Mm-hmm. Even 10 years ago, we could not afford solar panels. There wasn't a business case. Mm-hmm. Uh, for them. Mm-hmm. Now they're cheaper than coal, particularly in the southern United States. And okay. this is true right across the board with technologies, right? All technologies, if you think about it, mm-hmm. follow an S-curve, right? Mm-hmm. And, and so those technologies, their, their costs are dropping rapidly mm-hmm. as they get adopted, whether it's LED lights or electric vehicles or solar power, etc. Hmm. And we know this, and yet we hear the argument so what are the common barriers in pushing the sustainability agenda? Yeah, We've talked a little bit about it. So I think one, as you mentioned, is um, in the past, when I started my career, sustainability was something that you did to feel good. Mm-hmm. Greenwashing. Uh, greenwashing, or you did it just because, you know, it was uh, philanthropy, you know. Okay. People saw the environment as that do good. It's separate mm-hmm. from business. Mm-hmm. And w- what has changed drastically over the last 25 years is people are now understanding that, again, when you address environmental issues, which mm-hmm. are generally waste of a company, mm-hmm. right, you're mm-hmm. saving money. So okay. a great example is um, if you're a transportation company and mm-hmm. you spend millions of dollars of money on fuel, Right, which creates greenhouse mm-hmm, gases, mm-hmm, causes mm-hmm. climate change. If you can reduce that fuel use, mm-hmm. then you save money. You increase yep. your profitability. Mm-hmm. Plus, you make your community cleaner. Right? You're, if you're switching to electric, you have much less maintenance costs, for example. Mm. Uh, right? If you have a hybrid vehicle, you're not replacing the brakes as much, and so on. And, and there are examples across all kinds of industries that are showing that sustainability is much more tied to good business than it is a feel good. Other aspects where it helps the business is it enhances your brand, right? Young people want to buy from companies mm-hmm. that have purpose and are generating mm-hmm. more responsible products. People like me want to buy from them and I'm not so young anymore. Right, <laughs> exactly. It helps you reduce risk, right? So uh, climate change right now, carbon dioxide in the atmosphere is causing flooding, greater extreme weather mm-hmm. events and so forth. And now the financial industry is seeing this as a business risk. 
If you're in the insurance business, it's a big business, right? Absolutely. And so they're asking companies to be transparent and mm-hmm. to uh, indicate what is their strategy to reduce their risk uh, due mm-hmm. to climate change. So okay. if you're tackling climate change, you now have a business incentive because the cost of capital will increase if you are not addressing uh, Interesting. Right? Okay. You you will your insurance, right? Mm-hmm. You may not get insurance for certain assets or certain types of business or mm-hmm. certain properties along the coast, right? So again, you're always trying to either mitigate risk or uh, advance an opportunity mm-hmm. to make more mm-hmm. money, mm-hmm. right? That's how the business is making a decision. And what we've learned is sustainability. The principles of sustainability address both those factors. Wonderful and encouraging that we are now systemically moving to a place where mitigating risk is a big deal. I didn't realize that financing was now being tied. Yeah, so uh, good old Canadian Mark Carney, uh, who used to be the bank uh, uh, governor of the Bank of Canada, mm-hmm. has come out uh, with a number of other uh, prominent figures and uh, backed by a huge number of uh, financial institutions around uh, the Task Force for Climate Disclosure, okay. TCFD. And what they're basically saying is, is you need to be prepared for climate change. Climate mm-hmm. change is mm-hmm. coming and it's going to impact your business and it's going to impact the economy. So you need to, for investors to understand the risk of their investment or the opportunity mm-hmm. of their investment, you need to disclose what the material risk is of your business on the climate and the climate on your business. Okay, so I get the climate on my business. If I'm an insurance company, right. certainly my underwriters and my actuaries are looking at that. I didn't realize, and I think it's interesting that it's going the other way around, that we're finding a way to eliminate the free rider issue. Absolutely, because what's happening, sorry, is the institutions, the financial institutions are now looking at the science, right? Mm-hmm. And looking at their business returns, right? Mm-hmm. Their financial returns. And they're saying, well, hold on a sec. If we continue to emit greenhouse gases, that is going to increase the impacts of climate change and thus drive down our returns on investment. On every investment. On every investment, okay. right? So what they're saying is, is, well, if you're a very high intense carbon emitting industry, mm-hmm. you burn coal, you know, mm-hmm. uh, then that you're putting a greater risk on my investment, both in you and in my portfolio because of your actions. So I'm going to withdraw my investment from you because you're a higher risk investment. To, to the whole portfolio. Right, to the whole portfolio. Yeah, and you have a greater risk in in disappearing or the value substantially mm-hmm. declining because mm-hmm. you're in an industry that is contributing to climate change which is a economic social and environmental mm-hmm. crisis just what's so fascinating is what i call the free rider i think that's the the term we use commonly that if i'm the one who is causing that risk as long as I can get capital and no one punishes me or extracts a cost, then I have no incentive to change. Exactly. It sounds like there we are now moving to a place in time where that's changing. 
it is changing, and, and I think it's still too slow, I, I would contend, compared to mm-hmm. what the scientists say. But mm-hmm. it is moving because, one, the financial industry is starting to bring in these parameters upon which they're assessing their their portfolio and two is governments which play Mm -hmm. a critical role Mm -hmm. right in sort of the uh, preventing the tragedy of the commons right Mm -hmm. anything that's a an externality or outside the business government is Mm -hmm. there to protect us and they are now starting to institute uh, policies such as Mm -hmm. in Canada carbon price on carbon pollution Oh, okay, so they ha- have they gone to that now? They have, yeah. Okay. So the federal government has mandated a national carbon price okay. uh, for those provinces. So in Canada, uh, I think like the states, the, the mm-hmm. jurisdiction to implement environmental regulations is with the provinces. Okay. So those provinces that don't have an equivalency uh, to a carbon price, then the federal carbon price is applied. But if okay. they, they have a carbon price, like the province of British Columbia has a carbon price, then the provincial mm-hmm. uh, uh, standard uh, stays in place. Now, how does that work? Is it a tax, basically, if I emit over a certain amount? I, I incur a cost that's paid to right. the on government? A, on a simple, on a uh, very simplistic term is think of a, a price as like a uh, sales tax. Mm-hmm. Right? So mm-hmm. if you admit uh, a ton of carbon that you should mm-hmm. use, then you're going to pay a certain price on that ton of carbon. So if I'm okay. a utility, mm-hmm. right? if I uh, go to the gas pump and I fill mm-hmm. up my mm-hmm. tank, then they're calculating how much you're emitting and then they're charging you a fee mm-hmm. on that. Now, the Canadian government has done it quite wisely in the sense that they don't just take that money and put it into the the general revenues. Mm -hmm. What they do is give back 80% of that to lower income, uh, well, sorry, to Canadians of which lower income will get a greater percentage. So if you're you're smart and a homeowner, if you take that money and invest it in energy efficiency, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, Mm -hmm. a more efficient car and that, you will actually, or you can, get more money back than you would spend uh, on the carbon tax, which is great. The remaining part, I think it's 20%, goes into investing in projects that will lower greenhouse gases. Right, so it'll go into retrofitting schools or helping uh, with uh, various. Uh, I don't know if it does renewable energy, but projects, right, mm-hmm. that that will help communities reduce their their footprint. That's brilliant. Yeah, it is. But it has. It, but it has been difficult. Back to leadership, mm-hmm. it has been difficult in the past. Uh, probably, I don't know now, 10, 15 years ago, we had a prime mm-hmm. minister who came in and ran on a carbon price and lost very poorly, okay. <laughs> very badly, uh, mm-hmm. because people saw it as a tax and, and climate mm-hmm. change wasn't an issue. This federal election, which just happened in Canada a week ago, mm-hmm. climate change was in the top three issues okay. uh, that were uh, spoken about on the campaign mm-hmm. trail. And our prime minister, uh, the incumbent, ran again on putting a price on pollution. And this time, Canadians gave him a mandate, a minority, but still a mandate mm-hmm. uh, back saying they agree with it. So just in that decade, that's quite a mm-hmm. shift. So who is leading globally? Is Canada the leader in finding solutions? Well, I would say that you... you uh, 
like any um, any topic you pick, uh, countries are leading in different areas. Okay. So Canada has some very strong uh, strengths in things like uh, technologies to make uh, resource sectors more okay. productive, okay. Uh, buildings more energy efficient. Okay, right? so this is the lead lead platinum, lead right, silver. Right, and because of our cold climate, we have some very good technologies that, mm-hmm. are, that are working in buildings, uh, battery technology, etc. Mm-hmm. And and so you can go around the world and each country has strengths and mm-hmm. weaknesses and areas. And of course, being a global mm-hmm. economy, that's okay because you can mm-hmm. get those technologies elsewhere. So we can look at best in class, basically, and identify who's taking the lead in, in each Right. category basically that I would care about right and exactly. learn from them exactly yeah exactly and those that leadership goes across you know several factors it's policy leadership mm-hmm. uh, it's economic stimulant around uh, the clean technology like mm-hmm. uh, helping to stimulate mm-hmm. the clean technology sector or technologies themselves okay yeah. so as we go to break I invite our listeners to think about where do you see opportunities in your world, uh, life, work, community, where sustainable technologies and environmental awareness can be implemented. And we'll be right back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. The Innovative Leadership Institute is your trusted partner to create perpetual innovation and evolution in your leadership and organization. Are you ready to innovate and evolve? Since its inception, the Innovative Leadership Institute has been dedicated to helping leaders evolve their leadership mindset and skills and create organizations that can continually innovate to achieve results in a highly competitive and rapidly changing environment. We help leaders, management teams, and organizations identify and create the capacity to update how they lead, identify, and implement transformative solutions necessary to meet their mission and create strategic advantage. The Innovative Leadership Institute offers proven results backed by leading-edge research and a global network of accomplished consultants and thought leaders. Visit InnovativeLeadershipInstitute.com. Maureen and her associates are ready to discuss your needs and tailor a solution to meet your goals. Move forward with the Innovative Leadership Institute. Visit InnovativeLeadershipInstitute.com today. Your favorite Voice America Talk Radio Network shows and hosts are in your car, outdoors, and wherever you need them to be. Listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. You are listening to Innovative Leadership, co-creating our future. To reach Maureen Metcalf or her guest today, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to info at InnovativeLeadershipInstitute.com. Now, back to this week's program. Welcome back. You are joining Mike Gerbis and Maureen Metcalf. We're at the International Leadership Association Conference, and we are talking about 
green energy and sustainability and making our future better for our children, our grandchildren, and those generations to follow. So during break, we were talking a little bit about leadership. Mike, will you share with our guests your perspective? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm really, at this point in time, you know, we're, as I said to some students I talked to uh, last week, is we're at this precipice of life. Mm -hmm. And we have a choice, mm -hmm. you know, which path we go down. And this is where I think it is essential that people really dig deep and we're all leaders mm -hmm. in our own what I call sphere of in influence. Mm -hmm. And I think we need to step up and voice our concern in a, as we were talking in a respectful and productive mm -hmm. manner, mm -hmm. but then start to really push on our political leaders and our corporate leaders that things need to change mm -hmm. for, our, for our businesses, for our communities, for our children. And that means sometimes stepping out of your comfort zone. And I'll give you an example is, we had climate strikes here, of course, a mm -hmm. few weeks ago, and, and I have never in my life, I think, marched on the street. Mm. Uh, but it is now time to get, because I like to work behind the scenes, mm -hmm. but it's now time to get uncomfortable. And I needed to show my kids, my young staff, that uh -huh. uh, I was going to be out there supporting them as well. So I wrote a letter to all my colleagues and CEOs in Ottawa expressing uh -huh. the need that they should allow their staff to go out in the climate march, uh -huh. you know, on company time. Uh -huh. I sent a letter out to all staff in the organization that they could take that time off to participate. Uh -huh. uh, and then I reached out to the youth that were organizing it to say, how can I help? Whether that's a financial contribution or maybe more importantly, where I think we added the most value, some of us gray-haired folks around the table was, you know, helping them understand when you organize that you need to prioritize Mm -hmm. your tasks. You need to get the message right so you're not ostracizing one mm -hmm. group, mm -hmm. you know. You need to uh, use the power of social media, which they do very well, but in a constructive and respectful mm -hmm. way rather than a, you know, bashing. you're bashing and you're dumb. So, so that's where I think leadership in each of us plays a, a key role. What can we do within our sphere of influence mm -hmm have a positive impact and that's what we all want as we were talking mm -hmm. about right that most of us that radical middle mm -hmm. just want to have a, a job a roof over our head food family fun right and and to to leave this place a little better than it was rather than worse and so one of the things that's been a theme for me over the period of the conference has been the idea that we have choice mm -hmm. so whether I am wealthy and have resources and run a company, it's easier for you and I to have choice. But we all have choices in what we buy, what we don't buy, whether we march. And I also realize there are people who are working two and three jobs and they can't take off work to march. Exactly. And they can't spend extra money on yep. some things. So we have a little more choice. Yeah, I agree. And I think, again, this is where if you think of that sphere of influence is, um, you know, because of my job and, and where I live in that, I have the ability to buy solar panels for mm -hmm. my house and buy an electric car. 
but I certainly know that uh, some of the younger people or some of mm-hmm. the people in, in uh, more challenging situations don't have that opportunity. So are there mm-hmm. things that they can do that they feel comfortable in? So is it just participate in a march? Right? Mm-hmm. Is it to uh, compost? You know, compost, right? Whatever Renewable works for them. Water bottles instead of buying bottled water. Exactly. Writing their MP about uh, their member of parliament, mm-hmm. sorry, mm-hmm. about uh, you know the need for change. So again, this is where. It's important for us to work, again, I'll use that term, sphere of influence in, in what we believe uh, mm-hmm. is most important to us. So uh, even if climate change is not your uh, most important issue, but poverty mm-hmm. reduction is, or disadvantaged youth, then I encourage people, then put your energy mm-hmm. into that, because it's all, uh, to me, that's leadership. That's mm-hmm. helping someone else. For those of us that are privileged, I think it's really important that we open doors for others. And this is something that a, a young lady, uh, Larissa, brought to my attention at one of our events where she recognized that she was the only woman of color and of indigenous background in the entire 200 person event. And it was something that I sadly say I didn't even recognize. But what I did was I immediately engaged her and have been engaged her and asked her to uh, provide us with guidance and insight on Mm -hmm. how we could do better. And then I set targets within our event, our big, uh, we do a biannual huge event in Vancouver every year called the Globe Forum, uh, to uh, set targets around uh, gender. So Mm 50-50 women Mm -hmm. speakers. Uh, indigenous participation, uh, diversity, inclusion, and then work with other organizations to try to get more people Mm -hmm. who wouldn't normally get the opportunity to do that. So whatever, again, Mm -hmm. we can do, but we need to be able to open the door and help others Mm -hmm. uh, that might not have those opportunities. It does seem like as you go through that list, there's so much to think about. There is. And then I have to get my work done. Yeah, exactly. And, and, and that's a great point. And again, I think it comes back to what are the little things that you can do, mm-hmm. right? So if you have, I was there before with two young kids driving them around to hockey mm-hmm. and, you know, you're racing uh, to just try to <laughs> to get through the day. day yeah to get through the day so maybe that time you're not doing much right but you're keeping but you're educated. making good choices you're educating your Absolutely. children I think we underestimate the value of educating our children yeah. being a good role model I mean simple stuff like yeah. the water bottles like the yeah. composting yeah. that we just integrate into our our daily experience. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And you're right. I mean, those conversations, especially with our kids uh, mm-hmm. and their friends and, and so forth, are incredibly powerful. So uh, I, I couldn't agree more. And modeling it. Yeah, absolutely. Not just talking about that we should do it, but yeah. I have a compost bin in my backyard. Yeah. We There are lots of decisions we make that seem minor, and I, I realize there occasionally I'll say, I could walk to the recycle or I could throw it in the trash, and it's a walk to the recycle yeah. or walk to the compost bin. It, it is a conscious yeah. decision 
And it's not always the easiest decision. Yeah, and I think that also um, transfers to our language around our kids as well, right? So rather than um, you know referring to someone who doesn't understand the science of climate change as an idiot or as a, <laughs> right, <laughs> which it's many too, of us have done, right, which we've done in front of our mm-hmm. kids, which then stokes this divisive mm-hmm. con- you know language that's out there is to educate embrace and embrace and include and listen Mm -hmm. and understand right and I think the embracing and including people who see the world differently for me is such an important and hard to do yeah it is hard because it's easy to see them as those whatever whatever the topic is rather than saying if we don't all figure this out together and there's something because many of the people who see the world differently are incredibly smart yeah and so what are they seeing that I'm missing? Right, exactly. And that, again, to me, is a great lesson for leaders, again, mm-hmm. is that uh, being able to articulate and, and verbalize your vision in that is mm-hmm. important. But listening mm-hmm. and being empathetic mm-hmm. right, and understanding mm-hmm. and then learning from those differences mm-hmm. are what make you a much better leader. So... How do you train and teach leaders of tomorrow to continue, to courageously embrace sustainability in a better world? You're, you're doing it in your life. So in my life, I, I do a lot of guest lecturing. Okay. And But when I say lecturing, it's interesting. I find the, the best way is to do what you and I are mm-hmm. doing, mm-hmm. is I give them a little background of who I am, and then we have a conversation, and I open it up and mm-hmm. allow them to ask questions that they want to know about rather than me just simply telling them mm-hmm. stuff. Mm-hmm. So one, I think, is that constant engagement mm-hmm. and conversation. Two is is to provide them with opportunities. So, for example, we started a not-for-profit called Leading Change Canada. And this is where we bring uh, young people, 19 to 35, together Mm -hmm. to talk about these issues, to network with others, uh, to educate themselves, engage in the dialogues and that, and and most importantly, empower them through mentorship and Mm -hmm. leadership training uh, that will allow them to then take those Mm -hmm. lessons and skills back to hopefully advance uh, the economy to a more sustainable one. And to take the lead in those places where they land. Where they're passionate Mm -hmm. about. Exactly, Mm -hmm. yeah. So what to you are the biggest barriers to seeing change happen? And what personal struggles have you had? So some of the biggest barriers, I think, are... uh, One is uh, a lack of curiosity and understanding of science Mm -hmm. and what it truly means to the businesses or the people themselves and being able to translate that in a way that connects with them two is is the reality of our society and how we live and work is at a disconnect right now to what we need to do to actually tackle climate change for Mm -hmm. example and, you know, one thing that I'm a little embarrassed about is, uh, you know, I will become a million-mile flyer mm-hmm. uh, this coming month or next month or whatever. And that just shows you someone who has studied climate change for 25 years, and yet mm-hmm. I've flown that much. But it's a necessity 
on the one side of my business and personal mm -hmm. life and passions, but on the other side, it's having a tremendous impact. And so that gets very frustrating, uh, you know, for myself and probably others who are trying to make a difference. Mm -hmm. um, the third is, is that how slow things have moved. You know, I've been in this, well, working on climate change since 1997. Uh, and on sustainability since 1992 and, and that's a long time and things have moved a lot on one side and haven't moved much at all in, in another mm -hmm. and um, we need to figure out how to really start to uh, accelerate that change and I think it's coming I, I think it's coming because we're seeing the youth stand up mm -hmm. and, you know and in part there democratic right and uh, leadership in their own right. We're seeing the financial institutions starting to understand the risk to their business and thus you know, assert pressure on companies that, hey, you need to look at this issue of climate change. Uh, the positive uh, components of sustainability and seeing how this makes uh, better business sense. This is not just about feeling good. This is about enhancing your brand, creating new products and services, retaining and uh, attracting new employees, right, and saving money. So all of those make sense from a business case, and yet we're seeing, to your point, much slower adoption. And I do wonder, now that we're seeing more climate volatility, it, you can't argue that we're having more storms. Mm -hmm. We keep having 100-year storms every month, mm -hmm. and or some, uh, that's probably an exaggeration, but we're having much more frequent, much more dramatic weather events. Yeah. It, it's hard to deny that something's happening. Yeah, I agree. And, and I think what we need to do now is take these... Uh, you know, shocks to the system and use them constructively, though, for conversation again, mm -hmm. because they can be very uh, frightful things, mm -hmm. in, you know, the four people who are experiencing them. And we need to uh, understand their pain in that, but then use it as part of a dialogue to say we need to make change quicker and, mm -hmm. and faster. Is there anything in your personal life, in your own transition, that you would share, you mentioned the million miler piece. Anything else that you found difficult, but you change your lifestyle to deal with it? Well, I think uh, having kids is, uh, is uh, an interesting um, journey in itself, both extremely positive and also extremely frustrating <laughs> at times. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, and so it's been interesting to see and have conversations with them um, and seeing them have the same um, desires and I'll call them blocks or barriers, mm -hmm. obstacles to change. And so they still want to buy lots of clothes, fast fashion, right? They want mm -hmm. a big car and a fancy car as they get older, etc. Mm -hmm. and, and why I use that example is, is we just seem to be on the treadmill, right? Like mm -hmm. we're not getting off the treadmill into changing the way we live and the way we um, the way we mm -hmm. live in life. Like, and we that, that I find that very frustrating at times. 
You know, it's interesting with all of the talk of climate change. I was having a conversation the other day. It was a lovely day sitting on my porch with a client. And as we looked out, we're watching the fall leaves and everything. Mm -hmm. And I realized there was a big storm out west, Mm -hmm. snow months earlier than normal. But sitting in my little spot, Mm -hmm. everything seemed just fine. So it's hard to remember when I want to go buy something fashionable or just take a a trip that isn't required, that I'm burning fossil fuel, that I should consider the cost to the environment of each action I take. Because when I look, it seems, until there's a dramatic event in my neighborhood, it looks like the world's just fine. Yeah, and and I agree. And that that makes it very difficult. But I think your words are, are a great example where we said, you know, the cost to the environment but it's actually a cost to society and to our mm-hmm. children, mm-hmm. right? And to our bank account, to be honest, right? Because we talked earlier about insurance and that if we're not able to get insurance on our home and then it, God forbid, it burns down or mm-hmm. something, mm-hmm. Uh, that's a tremendous impact. But you're right. And this, this, this short-sightedness is what makes these challenges like climate change so hard to grasp and to tackle, right? Is people are, you know, thousands of years have have, uh, built us a certain way, so we want to be part Mm -hmm. of a tribe. So if that tribe doesn't believe climate change, it's very hard to come outside that. Uh, The cognitive dissidence, if it Mm -hmm. hurts too much, we don't want to think about it, right? We, Mm -hmm. We move on. Right? These types of things, I think, play a huge role, and that's why we have to understand humans more again. Mm-hmm. Back to the way we engage one another is this has to be about us, you know, as individuals and our communities and our tribes mm-hmm. and, and working and understanding that to find solutions mm-hmm. to go forward. So. I love your wording, it's not a cost to society, it's a cost to our children. Yeah. Absolutely. That changes what I think or what I hear as we have the conversation. And I think those are the shifts. And I appreciate your correction that even just changing the linguistics changes my thought process. Absolutely. I would, I would still contend that we made, and when I say we, you know, env- environmentalists or progressively made a huge mistake when we framed climate change as an environmental issue. Ah, instead of a family issue. Or a a financial, or Mm -hmm. a society, right? A social Mm -hmm. issue. Because Mm -hmm. that's what it is, right? When you see those hurricanes, you, you Mm -hmm. know, uh, my heart goes out to the people of Bahamas and Texas and Florida and so on Mm -hmm. and so on, right? That have been hit by these New Brunswick and is, uh, is that this is a social issue that Mm -hmm. is going to impact us all at some point. So as you said, right now you're you're not seeing you're seeing the beautiful lake and that and the storm on the distant horizon, mm-hmm. but it will impact us it, at some at some. But again, we don't want to create a fear that then people withdraw withdraw and and, and oh well it's over. Mm-hmm. That comes back to the leadership and and communicating that vision about a place where. We have, uh, you know, clean air, and we have good jobs and high-tech, clean-tech, you know, spaces, and uh, there's parks and trees, and our families are um, living, you know, within the means of, of the planet. 
you know, and I think that's important to, to go to the positive, as we've talked about. Most of us are motivated by a vision we can touch and see, right? Right, that this is possible for me in my lifetime. Yeah. So you've been doing this for 25 years. Mm-hmm. As we wrap up in the last couple of minutes, what gives you the most hope? I think the thing we've been talking about the most is, is humans. Mm-hmm. Is we are, and, and young people in particular, that I engage is, you know, that, that, that energy, right? That I can do anything comes out. And, mm-hmm. and if you think about the challenges we've overcome, world wars and, excuse me, and plagues and all these things over mm-hmm. thousands of years, we've always come out of it. Stronger. Stronger, right? But we've done that because we're a community and we come together. And Mm -hmm. we recognize the differences and the value of those differences and we we work together. And that really gives me hope, uh, especially in in an amazing country like Canada that is so diverse Mm -hmm. uh, and has uh, so many great people, uh, which the United States does as well. Right? And if you go around the world now, uh, mm-hmm. this is what's bringing us together, I think, is diversity and difference of opinion and hope for a positive future. Well, my hope is we have listeners around the world who in, are engaging in this conversation by listening and by making changes in their lives that it is a global issue. It is. We live on the same planet and what we do in every country impacts the whole. And we're seeing that with the weather events, it impacts the whole. So the invitation is certainly for people around the world to consider the impact each of us is having on all of us. Exactly, I couldn't agree more. So Mike, thank you. How would people learn more? Do you have a website or a... Absolutely, so you can find us uh, at the Delphi group at www.delphi.ca and the globe series is globeseries.com and leading change is leadingchangecanada.com and you'll okay. find out about each of those organizations there. And we will post that information as well with, with more of your resources so that people will have an opportunity to take action. Can you give our listeners as we wrap up two concrete steps they can take? to make change in wherever they are in their communities? I think the uh, wherever you are in your communities, one is to um, speak out mm-hmm. and let your political and corporate leaders know how you feel mm-hmm. that change is needed. And two is, is find that area of passion that you feel you know, emboldens you to take action and really put your efforts there, whether it's climate change or, like I said, poverty reduction Mm -hmm. or composting. Well, social justice of any sort. Right. Yeah, I love what you said earlier about listening, that that smart people run the gamut and the, the, if we think of the bell-shaped curve, most of us are in some sphere of the middle And we can reach out and have intelligent conversation and influence one another and take collective action. Yeah, absolutely. And and I think that is a wonderful message to leave with people is, you know, when you're having that argument with someone you disagree with, Mm -hmm. just 
maybe take a deep breath for a second and, and listen and try to see if you can learn something which will improve you and then share something back which will improve them and your connection to one another. Thank you. The words that come to me as we close are what each of us does matters mm-hmm. and it matters for all of us. It does. That, that this is our legacy for the next generation and beyond and we want to leave our children and grandchildren with a planet that they can inhabit without wearing masks. Agree. Thank you. Mike, thank you so much for all of the work you do to make our world better. Great, thank you for having me. Thank you for listening today, and I hope you enjoyed the conversation that Maureen had with one of our ILA thought leaders. And we look forward to having you join us throughout this 15 podcast series on leadership during these turbulent times. Thank you for joining us at the International Leadership Association Conference Interview Series, recorded live in Ottawa, Canada. We love to hear your feedback. And part of the feedback that really inspires us is letting us know how these interviews have impacted you personally and your organization. Please reach out to me at info at innovateleader.com or on LinkedIn, connect with me as Maureen Metcalf. Thank you again for joining us this week. Please tune in for another edition of Innovating Leadership, co-creating our future with Maureen Metcalf next Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. We hope you'll join us then and have a great week.